media at SAFM with Ashraf Garda. Exploring every media platform and industry. Only on 104 to 107. Well, Sunday morning, it certainly is. And we're talking about Orlando Pirates of the year, by the way, after that fabulous win. And some may say, don't even use the word fabulous because there's some chief supporters listening as well. Abdul Miladzi is with me. He's the editor of the Sunday World. Together with uh, Janine Lazarus from Janine Lazarus Media, as well as Jane Duncan as well. So three of them will be talking about a very important issue, which is, well, it's a debate, really. The good news, bad news debate, or the good news versus the bad news debate. My name is Ashraf Ganda. Welcome to the show. We talk about it every Sunday morning, media, marketing, branding, advertising, PR, all of that. You can communicate with me on air, engage, 891 SMS 34701, and uh, tweet at Ashraf But do use the hashtag media show so we can uh, pick up a trend of what goes on throughout the day. There's lots to come including uh, chatting to uh, Malcolm McDonald, who's going to be speaking to us ahead of the International Marketing Conference uh, coming up in a few days' time here in, in South Africa. So let's start with that. Abdul Maladzi, the editor of the Sunday World. Good chatting to you once again. Hi. Hey, hi, Ashraf. Good. So, so let's talk about this. The, so I'm calling it the good news, bad news debate, which is, you know, you're an editor of a newspaper. Mm. Good news, well, bad news, what, what works best for a newspaper? I think uh, bad news sells better. The yeah. good news, <coughs> and uh, I've heard people complaining, saying uh, newspapers only focus on the negative. Mm. But remember, newspapers are a business, mm-hmm. so we're in the business of selling copies. So when you put good news, the same people who complain don't buy, and then when you put like bad news, then your paper sells. So we follow the feet, or we follow the money. And, and you, I mean, th- that's what you're saying. You know that for a fact. You've uh, you've researched it that if you put so I mean typically your your Sunday paper now buy the Sunday paper your paper just now mm. uh, there's always some some scandal yes and yes uh, even if people do, don't buy it, they will read the papers I, I've seen that the headline so evidence does suggest that if you flip it around and have some like wonderful news that people would just turn we, away we have done that Sunday World uh, last year alone we did six positive or so-called positive uh, news front pages. Right. And we lost uh, between five and 6,000 uh, copies on that weekend, on those weekends. Okay. And then when we go back to the scandals, then it picks up the same five to 6,000 copies. Okay. And wow. Then, yeah. So, and this year as well, we did the same exercise from uh, January. We've run four positive news, uh, head, like, sorry, front pages, and right. the same thing happened. We dropped down below 100,000. And then we get a good scandal, we go back up to 100. Well, it's so. a good scandal, as you call it. You can just see someone saying, you see, I knew that about these media people. All they want is to do is to sell newspapers as well. Let's get, let's get some other opening thoughts on this issue. And, and your opinion certainly does matter uh, in terms of the good news and uh, bad news uh, debate. Uh, J- Jane Duncan, good chatting to you. What, what are your thoughts on this? Um, good morning, Ashraf. Well, um, I believe that I was um, um, invited on to speak specifically about the coverage of the student protests. Um, and I think that, unfortunately, um, there has been a tendency of so much of the, in the mainstream media coverage to focus on the riotous elements um, of the protests, um, which has drowned out the fact that actually the student protests, I think until fairly recently, um, have been fairly peaceful. Um, this is not to say that this trend um, was right across um, all media. Um, I think there's been some very important developments with the rise of student media, for instance, um, and youth media attempting to act as a corrective 
to much of the mainstream media reporting. But I think that um, much of the reporting, particularly in the early days before the concession was made by government around the fee increase, let the students down. And I think it let the students down because it focused on the, on the, on the extreme elements rather than focusing on the issues and focusing on events rather than focusing on student demands. And this is an ongoing problem, actually, in media coverage. There's, there's a general set of trends that one can recognize in media coverage of protests. And, in fact, a number of media academics have focused um, on, on this issue and theorized it into what's become known as the protest paradigm, where journalists rely, they fall, tend to fall back on a stock set of reporting conventions that emphasize um, the bad elements um, rather than the good elements and the constructive elements of protest. And I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that um, um, many journalists bring to their work a set of assumptions that direct action is somehow more suspect as a form of politics than more conventional form of politics. So, for mm, instance, mm. parliamentary politics. Okay, but, but within, within, within that, that broader point, therefore, right, I mean, there's no question uh, that the uh, Fees Must Fall campaign has certainly captured the attention of, of the nation in, in, in many ways, right? Uh, the question is, would that be considered good news or bad news? Because it's an interesting one. It depends on your perspective, isn't it? I think initially um, the story was being portrayed um, as a bad news story, as I said, before the concession was mm, made, because mm. I think that there have been shifts in the media coverage. I think that once many people started to realize that these were extremely important protests that served uh, an important public uh, purpose, um, the shift tended to, um, there was a shift that started to happen from a focus on the protests being disruptive and, um, and, and preventing students from actually preparing for their exams. And I think once people started realizing that actually um, this is a very positive and important contribution to society, then the shift started changing. Unfortunately, there seems to be a shift back to focusing on um, the negative aspects um, of the news, even in the wake of the concession that was made. Um, by government, which it must be noted is only a partial concession, it's only a partial mm, victory. Mm, 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 mm. Um, if, if I focus on one newspaper, for instance, just an, ex an, an example of the, the kind of problem that I'm trying to describe, a weekend newspaper that led the day after the, the march on the Union buildings with a lead story focusing on the violence that broke out of the Union buildings. Yes, that's an important story, it needs to be covered. But there was a tiny little inset at the bottom of the lead story which then focused on the victory that students had won. And that made me ask very serious questions about the priorities, the priority of that particular mm, paper. Mm, mm. Okay, so hold, hold that thought. We'll talk about priorities in a moment. Condelia, I've noted that you're holding on. We certainly want to get to you as well. Uh, let me bring in Janine uh, Lazarus from Janine Lazarus Media. Good chatting to you. Hi, Janine. Hi, Ashraf. Thank you. Right, your, your opening thoughts, you know, the, the good news. Uh, I'm going to respectfully debate. disagree with, uh, with Jane Duncan. I mean, I think that, and, and I'm going to uh, agree with your, your, your first guest. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in my view, the, 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 the press is supposed to be the public's ever vigilant watchdog which means exposing corporate fraud, government abuse, and injustice along every level of society. The media is supposed to hold people accountable. 
So in my book, as an extremist, I believe the mass media has to value bad news over good news. I mean, we are supposed to. Our, our role in a democracy is to monitor error. You know, and whether in fact we are tucking the more positive story at the bottom of, of, of the front page of the Sunday paper that Jane is referring to, mm. that for me is beside the point. I mean, um, I'm thinking, and I did some research um, about a, a, a Russian news site, and I think we've got many, many similar examples in South Africa. A Russian news site only this year, it's a news site called City Reporter. It brought all the positive news stories, all the silver linings, all the sunshine and lollipops and rainbows, Ashraf. The reality check is no one wanted to read it. Um, the, the, this, this city reporter lost two-thirds of its normal readership on one particular day. And that's what your first guess is. Mm, mm, People, mm. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it says about society. But, you know, um, the reality check is there's the law of supply and demand. When people want to stop reading bad news, they can all put their foot down and we can get a whole, a whole bevy of good news. But I can't see it happening anytime soon. But it's interesting, you know, that the good news, bad news debate often is seen as... Uh being unpatriotic, uh, and that's an important point. Abdul, just comment on that. You know, you see, one thing is saying, "Come on, give us some good news stories," and there are good news stories. I'm, I'm, I'm watching you uh, wearing an Orlando Pirates top, and we'll take pictures of it, right? And, and certainly for pirate supporters, I'm just making that point. It's good news for them. For yes. New Zealand winning the Rugby World Cup yesterday, it's fabulous news, right? But on the other hand, uh, so there are good news stories that are reflected. But on the other hand, there's a sense among some people that that bad news effectively means being in opposition to government as opposed to reflecting and holding government to account. Ashraf, uh, I don't, I, don't uh, I, w- I was a crime reporter for years. My job as a crime reporter was not to bring serial killers to books. That was the job of the police, and if they screwed up, those are the stories that I tried to write. I don't believe that the media's role is necessarily to be a, a yardstick or a, um, a platform to create positive news about a country. We are here to be a mirror in which society sees itself. Okay. And if, if covering bad news is what is happening in border society, then that's the picture that we have to paint. All right. Let's just get the thoughts of Abdul. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was uh, going to say what proves our point about bad news as well. If you look at any paper, you can pick up any Sunday paper today. Mm-hmm. That only 10% would be bad news, actually. But people tend to notice only the same people who are complaining tend to notice only the ten percent. But you look through you, the, the profiles of successful people, the the profiles of people doing good, and their stories about companies doing good. But nobody notices that. But it's in the papers. Pick up any paper. This. But, but, but last week we spoke about the importance of a cover. Mm. In a magazine, right? That means yes. who's on the cover and, and, and how important is that to selling. Your point, I think, is right. Uh, mm. in, in reading many papers, there's some great stories in between. But what you're saying is, if the front page is all yeah. good news, that's flat. Yes. Because remember when I told you about the exercise that we did last year and we continued doing this year. So there was one story, same uh, celebrity. It was Mini Lamini. Mm-hmm. When she clinched two uh, 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 big deals, like you know, financial deals that, well... It didn't sell. When she was breaking up with Itumilin Kune, she sold. Yeah. Same, uh, same, same, same person. Mm-hmm. So then how do you explain that? Okay, interesting one. I'll go back. To, in fact, let, let's get Condilia's thoughts and I'll get to Jane Duncan in a second. Condilia from Mangaungo chatting to you once again. Hi. Hi, uh, uh, Ashraf. Look, I do not agree with Jane. Neither do I agree with the gentleman there. 
I, 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 without buying the face of uh, a, a chain, most of the analysis that chain does, but I find them to be well researched. But this time around, uh, uh, Ashraf, I think uh, this, what your, your 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 panelist is saying that 10% uh, of stories that are in the newspapers, for example, today, uh, uh, it's only 10% that is negative, but the majority maybe is positive. I, I don't think it's true. I'm seated with a whole lot of uh, package of newspapers now. It's not true. Yeah, pick, pick one. Pick mm. one right now and tell me that uh, basically everything that you're looking at right now is negative in, the, in that paper. Nope. Pick anyone okay. that you're sitting with. Okay, can we focus on, for example, on the, on, on the front pages because it is the front pages that actually tell the story as to whether... That well, well, that's the point I made. That the front page ultimately yeah. is the big catch, right? Okay. So, so your your thoughts, very, very, your thoughts, very quick on that, Condile? Yeah, is that the front page, as you put it, Ashraf, is the most important, uh, 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 you know, page. But what we should also be doing as newspapers, it's fine if you think to me, you're taking them down uh, inside and so forth. But they don't make an impact because the front page must then determine as to whether. We're changing the mindset of the people with regards to the type of content that we are we are selling out there. Because part of the things of the, uh, that part of the things that the media should be doing, it is to inform, educate, maybe entertain is fine. But the front page will send a strong message, and if you don't deal with that part, uh, then that is why the gentleman will have a problem. It's true that 90% could be positive, but the message that you send out with the front page mm-hmm. is very important. But lastly, Ashraf. The other thing that I wanted you to, I know I'm taking a bit of a tangent, is for your guest to look at the issue of uh, the campaign itself, you know, hashtag must fall. Are we, are we saying that the, the, the social media will make or break governments or organizations? Okay. Or well, well, maybe we are. In fact, we, we, touched on it, we touched on it last week, by the way, just the, the power of, of social media. Let me bring in Jane Duncan once again. Jane, the, the, you know, you made a point about, about sentiments within the, the fees must fall campaign shifting from... Uh, stage one to stage two to stage three, right? So, so then, who is responsible for the shifting of sentiment? Is it, uh, is it the media that decides that we will see uh, or, or portray students in a in a poor light or a negative light on stage one, but change our tune on stage two and then portray them negatively in stage three? Or in fact, does the media respond to what they see and what they interpret at that time? I think it was really the pressure from below um, that became so intense um, that it was impossible um, not to acknowledge um, the importance of this particular social force. And particularly in view of the fact that they managed to win demands that um, under ordinary circumstances, um, you know, I think mainstream public opinion would just dismiss um, as being unwinnable. Um, so I think that um, that um, created a situation where it became simply impossible um, for the naysayers and the skeptics to be able to deny the importance of those protests. And I think just to turn back to um, the points that Janine was making, I'm, I'm not convinced by Janine's argument that we need to accept um, that bad news um, is a primary importance um, for the news. That's not to undermine the watchdog role that the media need to play, um, and that it's bad news that um, you know is what the public wants to know and needs to know. Um, I'm not convinced of that. Um, and you know, just to give an example of why I'm not convinced of it, um, there was a very interesting experiment that the Cape Argus engaged in, where Hassan Tabada actually wrote to a challenge 
that was put to him over Twitter mm, to mm. allow students to co-edit an edition of the Cape Argus. Right. And apparently, according to Hassan Tabada, they did an incredible job and attempted to tell the kind of stories that hadn't really come out sufficiently in so much of the media coverage. And apparently there was an overwhelming response to this, to the point where it became practically impossible to get that particular edition of the newspaper because it had sold out. And that raises a broader question of to what extent is media coverage actually speaking to youth concerns and youth needs. It's not coincidental for me um, that youth media and student media stepped into the breach left by so much of mainstream media, that young people who were engaged in the protests turned to social media as a source of news inf information. Um, it was because I think that many, many students um, really felt aggrieved um, by so much of the media coverage which in many ways, and as I said, particularly in the early stages, I think mm -hmm. contributed towards the public seeing the students as being, um, as, as, as being almost tantamount to criminals. Okay, um, but, but you see that, that, that point, right, when, when, when the young did that, right, uh, and, and they moved to social media, they themselves, sometimes their tweets were aspirational about, about look how we're challenging things. And sometimes their same tweets uh, that, that were vastly retweeted were very negative in yeah, the opposition. Exactly. So, so there's a good example again of, of good news, bad news, and in fact both were, were both gained currency depending on the level of interest that people had in it, uh, Jane. Yes, but Ashraf, you know, there's, there's another point I want to make as well about the about the the the, the, the implications um, of focusing on um, the bad news when it comes to protests like this. Because I think it can lead to a situation where um, journalists inadvertently see their work being put to, to anti-democratic uses. Um, we know that there's a major problem with police violence in the country. Mm -hmm. And if unfortunately we have a situation where um, protests are repeatedly um, portrayed in a negative light, um, and the more violent elements of protests rather than the peaceful elements of protests are brought to the fore, it's got very serious public safety implications in that the police may think that they have um, a public um, opinion behind them to the point where they attack the protests violently. Okay. Let me, let me go. Uh, in fact, uh, Chamber will get your thoughts in just a moment, and I'll read some of the tweets as well. But Janine, you, uh, rather, uh, Janine, you wanted to say something. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear what Dana is saying, and, and I think she makes some really moot points. But the fact is... You know, when, when we look at the, stu uh, the student protest and the fees must fall, uh, let, let's, let's just examine how the media covered that, at least initially. Now, for me, when you spread so-called bad news, and I don't know if that was bad news because it raised an incredibly critical social issue. If you spread so-called bad news, you affect positive change. If you report on natural disasters, the media can prompt, hopefully, action on environmental issues. If you write about, I don't know, Ashraf, institutionalized race, racism, corrupt government, ineffective social policy, then maybe you can bring about incremental positive change. So, you know, I, 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 I'm really tired as, as an ex-journalist of, of being tasked with 
the whole nation building thing. And I think, I think by, by its very definition, that's what the media are doing. We are creating awareness. We are driving change. Okay, let's get to, let's get to, I'll take two quick calls. I'll get to Abdul then in a minute and read some of the, the tweets as well. Chamba, go ahead. Hi. Uh, I'm very good indeed. Go ahead, your thoughts? Look, look, look man, I just want to make one comment. You know, Kelvin Sikwale mm. is one of our best administrators in South Africa and the United Now, your mail and guardian, you just check it now. It puts up why Kelvin Sikwale should not be fighting for that presidency. What does that mean? What does that tell you about our entities in South Africa? How did it make you think? Okay, I've, I've seen the front page. I have not had a chance to read it, but I, I clearly can get that. Basically, the question is, is Tokyo the right man? But okay, listen, listen to what I'm saying. Listen, the question is here. Why, the question is, is Tokyo the right man to, to lead, uh, to lead FIFA right now? Are you saying that they, they, that, in fact, what, what are you saying that, in fact, they shouldn't be asking that question? They shouldn't be, they shouldn't be putting it that way. It's a negative connotation. It says to South African editors, for a South African candidate, it tells people not to even contend him. Okay, you see, some may say, Jamba, let's see that some may say, in the light of what's happened to FIFA, why would any South African want to be even at the helm of FIFA anyway? Because FIFA itself is rotten to the core, and I'm quoting loosely what other people think, to so say, let's not even get associated with that, never mind you love the game of soccer. Right, so Fisa, go ahead, hi. Hi, Ashraf. Yep, thank um, Hi to you and your guests. Um, what I'd like to know, Ashraf, as uh, research um, from your guest, is whether uh, people are generally uh, more attracted to uh, fearful and negative emotions over positive ones, mm. in the sense that are, are, are scary uh, feelings and emotions more sustainable over the long term than, than happy emotions? And the second one is whether do we use newspapers and uh, other media as a siren just to know what's happening in the environments we are? So if you've got positive stories, uh, it, it doesn't alert you of anything. So do we use it as um, an alarm system of some sort where we want to know, are we in danger? Is there something we should worry about? Should we move out? Should we stay here? Um, and then does that add to why maybe the negative stories seem to sell more? Because people are more attracted to finding out what's happening in the environment. Well, that's, that's a good one. It certainly piques their interest. Let's take now the issue about water. Would you be interested in that to say, you know, if, if the water story is not even spoken about, as if it's not happening, would that not be a disservice, right? Some comments we've got from people, a lady wearing a mini skirt catches more attention than the one who has a long skirt. It comes from Nkululeko. Uh, what is good news or bad news story? A story about corruption will be viewed negatively by leaders and supporters of the ruling party, but positively by opposition parties and their followers. From Brian in uh, Fre Freiburg or Freiburg. We can, I think we all want the news to tell all interesting good news or bad and press also needs to be our watchdogs. Great media program. That uh, comes from Jennifer. Thanks. Ashraf, don't agree that having bad news on the front page sells papers. In India, for example, the front page is all the feel-good stories, and the rest of the news is on the inside page. It's from KV. Any person who only wants to read good news is not dealing with the reality of life. Uh, and uh, there's, a, there's a couple more. In fact, let's just pick up some of the tweets as well, because uh, I just want to do that before I get to other issues here. Maybe uh, as I get to that, uh, Abdul, maybe just, just your thoughts then about... The, is, is there a perception that in, in the media... Now, you see, your newspaper deals with, with very... Certainly, your front page is celebrities. Yes, celebrities, right. yes. But, but, and I mean, you have worked in different spaces. Mm. Is the problem not the narrative that's come from government very, very often, that negative news implies knocking projects that are not delivered, service delivery, which actually does imply 
being in opposition to government. Is that the problem? Where, now, where the narrative now from, from government people is that you've been critical of us and that's not fair. Yes, I think Janine raised that point there. It's like if you, 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 people do wrong and we don't highlight it, then are we doing a service to the nation? So I think that's the most like an important question that Janine asked. And, and what do you think? It, because uh, I think we have to, when things don't go wrong, we have to highlight them. We are a mirror to society. Exactly. And if we, we all say, okay, this is, is, is negative. Let's say the Inkanva thing, for instance, we said, okay, we're not going to cover it because it's, neg- it's going to appear negative. What would have happened? Okay, let me Would put it around. Yeah. The mini Dlamini story that you spoke about with Itumalanga Kune and on the one hand getting some lucrative deals. Would you then do the same story if, if Mini is a contributor to your newspaper? The, the point is that many suggest that the problem with media editors, they manipulate the news. They don't make the news, but by, by selecting certain stories to be the big stories, they effectively decide what we can and can't read. Now that, that's a literal translation, but uh, others may then view that as effectively uh, shifting things in, the, in, in an agenda that they want to portray. No, I think it used to be like that in the past where we had the luxury of deciding what people should read and shouldn't read. Right now, it's people who decide because we check the sales every week. I was like, okay, that's not telling you start shifting your content in terms Lord of where you place it. Okay, yes. interesting one. People will decide. Maybe uh, Jane Duncan comment on that. That it, in, in terms of that point that uh, Janine Lazarus is saying supply and demand, isn't that the right way to always do it? To say, otherwise you will be out of business. And we know there's been lots of discussion on the Mail and Guardian, ironically, in the last few weeks. If they don't shift their policies to, to meet the needs of, of, of the current market, they're out of business. So would they not be right, and, and everybody else as well, in terms of meeting supply and the point made that earlier that if they have evidence that the bad news or the negative story on the front page will drive sales, which allows them to portray very good stories on the inside, that's a fantastic balance. The point is that audiences can change. Um, and I think that um, the... Um, the, 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 the student contribution towards um, the, um, the coverage of the student protest, and I'll go back to that issue specifically again, I think shows that. Um, but I think also, you know, in addressing um, the question of um, whether, specifically in relation to protests, um, because that is really what I want to focus on, um, whether one should just simply focus on good news um, rather than um, the bad news aspects of protests. Um, I think that there's a lot that can be done that doesn't necessarily fall um, into either of those simplistic binaries, and they can actually be done by journalists fairly easily. So, for instance, um, um, you know, I think it's important for journalists to focus on issues um, rather than events when they cover protests. Um, okay, I think that will allow them to, I think, um, deal with some of the, 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 the questions of substance and get away from event-based reporting because I think it's the event-based reporting right. that tends to drive them towards um, the, the bad news. Well, well two, two things comes out of the Daily Vox, which is, a, is an online site. I think it's done some great work at VIT in terms of covering the stories behind the stories. And many of the newspapers uh, and, and media, we in fact want to do something on the afternoon talk show that I host one of those days uh, in this week, in fact, looking at the role of women and, and how they've played a very positive role in, in certainly driving uh, that particular Fees Must Fall campaign. And that's very positive as opposed to negative. But let's wrap up. Final thoughts, uh, Janine Lazarus? 
Okay, I, I, you know, I hear, I, obviously, and I think this is a point that's been raised in the show, I mean, if you read the news often enough, you, you, you'll know that the world's populated by corruption, uh, perversion, racism, etc., etc. It's all, it's a, it's a daily parade of suffering. But the reality is, Ashraf, that I think people have more to lose um, from neglecting to learn about a negative trend than to gain from the awareness that they will get from a positive one. And that's where we can leave it, Janine Lazarus. Thanks for your time, Jane. Duncan, appreciate your input as well. Abdul Miladzi from the Sunday World. By the way, what's your, what's your cover story today? Uh, our, our cover story is uh, debtors uh, suing uh, Vuyo from the grave. Oh, goodness. Okay. Okay. There we are. Let's move on. My, my colleague, right? There we are. Former colleague, in fact. Uh, thanks for that time. Most appreciated. Love your... What's your big takeout? You said you can let me know. We're going to talk to Janine Hills in a moment, uh, but let's get up to date with the old mutual Serato Marathon rather with Manfred Seidler right now.